and APB, American Protection Bureau, voted number one best on Long Island for all your security needs. Call 631-390-9050. That's 631-390-9050. APB. You need a body shop? You need engine repair? Auto Excellence. Collision Specialist. 631 631- Two six one six four two zero. That's six three one two six one six four two zero. Auto Excellence. Jimmy, I gotta take a dump. What? No, I mean I need a dumpster. <sighs> well, for all those needs, you need to call Big V Dumpster Rental, Long Island, New York, six three one nine hundred dump. Elm Logistics, for all your logistic needs, call 631-299-3595. That's 631-299-3595. Elm Global Logistics, pride, performance, and partnerships. The Monty and the Pharaoh Show is brought to you by... Because wine is your second favorite four-letter word. California wine, New York attitude, good fucking wine. Yeah. Tired of that same old, same old breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Same old tasting scrambled eggs, burger, that dinner steak, ribs, or pork chops. Why not add a little bit of spice or just a touch of heat to make the difference? Change that scrambled egg with a little bit of Johnny Fabulous's John Cena Sr.'s Million Dollar Jalapeno Hot Sauce. Great on burgers, steaks, chops, and those barbecued ribs. And Nitro's Garage for all your automotive needs. Call 646-675-2349. That's 646-675-2349. For all your automotive needs, Nitro's Garage. Ask for Jack. Do you treat your dog as part of the family? (laughs) Well, so do we. So why not celebrate your pup's birthday with the ultimate party box? Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Party Pup Info, and let us make your pup's party or any celebration perfection. M&J Video Games and Collectibles. Sport and non-sport cards, wrestling items, autographed items. We buy, sell, and trade. M&J Video Games and Collectibles, located at 1049 Queen Street, Southington, Connecticut, Call us at 1-860-479-9223 or 860-93-GAMES. M&J, video games and collectibles. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Wrestling Remembered. I'm your host, moderator, Joe Wooday Lowry. And of course, as always, we are joined by my esteemed colleagues, 
from Thursday night, the 30. Let's welcome in first the player, Benny Scala. Welcome to the show, Benny. There he is. He's putting on the gun. And your guns, baby. Look at him. I'm, I'm main your guns. You're the saying your guns. But <laughs> I, I did want to say I am the new uh, reigning champion and of the 30, now a five-time champion. I and I am also the resident poet laureate of the Monty and the Pharaoh channel. I just want to do a quick public service announcement and say, don't be a jabroni, drink Peroni. Yeah. <laughs> good. All right. Good product placement there. You got to love it. And of course, we have the president of Thursday night, the incomparable Phil DeCesare. Phil, welcome. Thanks, Joe. Wrestling fans around the corner and around the world, let's get ready to rumble. There you go, folks. And this week, we're uh, we're talking Hulkamania. We're going to be uh, talking about the birth of Hulkamania, January 23rd, 1984, a date that will live in the wrestling halls forever. Um, first up, guys, let me know your thoughts. Where were you? Uh, when Hulk, let, let's let's t- kind of take it back a few months first. Where were you when Hulk Hogan returned to WWF? Uh, when uh, Bob Backlund was facing the Samoans and he had some trouble, and all of a sudden Hulk Hogan came out of the curtain and uh, helped everything out. And of course, it was a melee. What what are your thoughts there, Benny? You go ahead first. Where were you yeah. when this all took place? Well, I remember that. I remember. Ba- uh, I think it was actually. It might have been Tiger Chung Lee and Mister Fuji. Uh, but yeah. um, Hogan uh, Hogan had arrived uh, back in the WWF yeah. on uh, December 27th, actually, which was the day uh, after uh, Backlund lost the title. Right. And he wrestled in St. Louis against yep. some jabroni named, I don't know, Johnny Five and No, uh, <laughs> uh, Bill Bill Dixon. Bill, the, oh, uh, the incomparable yeah, Bill, Bill Dixon. Dixon lost, yeah. yeah, Hulk squashed him in three minutes. And uh, didn't really have a lot of matches. Um, the, uh, let's see. He had a TV taping uh, with back. That was with Backlund. They yeah. defeated Mr. Fuji and Tiger Chung Lee. Yeah. And uh, only had one other match uh, before the uh, the January 23rd match with the Sheik. So yeah. pretty quick. He yeah. had been uh, in Japan before that. And right. uh, before that, of course, he was with the AWA. Yeah. Uh, Phil, let's talk about that. AWA um he was big over there he had that i'm going to show a picture now he had a he had a picture there let me pull it up yeah we're so, looking like joe garagiola there garagiola didn't yeah, he right there <laughs> he does <laughs> right? he really does look at yeah. like, they were all happy and all that stuff and then the the, the uh, big situation happened with you know he supposedly won the world title the awa world title um things were going really good for him but of course that decision was reversed and then we have this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the big FU and all that stuff. So, you know, I, I know we started with the backlit thing, but we got to go back to how this whole thing originated with Halkamania. Yeah. He was with the yeah. AWA yeah. and then he had a falling out. Uh, actually, let, let's just, actually let's go back a few more years. He was with the WWF. He had a falling out with Vince Sr. because he wanted to film Rocky Three at the time. Yep. And Vince Sr. said no. Now we got to remember. Now Vince Jr. did not buy the company just yet. Right. But when he went over to um, film the movie with Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. I mean, you have to remember Vince Sr. didn't really want to mix uh, 
wrestling with yeah. anything else. You yeah, know, right. before Rock this Rocky three, um, three opportunity came about, yeah. of course, we remember Andy Kaufman wanted to do business yes. All right. in the Northeast, but Vince yeah. McMahon didn't want to do that then either. So, you know, it was nothing against Hogan personally, yeah, right. but it was just Vince Sr.'s view of the business. He didn't Bruce, see it mixing with anything right. else. Right. Wanted to keep it pure and um, thus refused Hogan. Yep. So, you know, let's, you know, move it along. The big photo, that infamous photo that graced every pro wrestling magazine out there. Yeah. Here's Hulk Hogan virtually left the AWA, was in Japan for a while. Nobody knew what was going on. All of a sudden, here he is with Sylvester Stallone and, you know, doing the deal here. Big television, big Rocky three gross, probably one of the most uh, money in that year. And he had a significant role in this. He wasn't just a one off. He had a major role in this movie yeah. where it just took him. He was almost like he was already mainstream. He was already Hollywood at the time before he got to back to the WWF. You know, Stallone had quite a respect for um, wrestling and wrestlers in particular right. oh, yeah. Yeah. and an affinity towards them. And we know he had a great relationship with Terry Funk going back yeah. several years and several other wrestlers, too. And um he saw Hogan just much like we did for the first time on, I think on WWF TV. Right. And uh, he said, I have to have this guy. And ultimately he got that guy. And actually during the shoot of the, during the filming of the movie, um, Sly basically said to Hogan, I want you to lay it in. In fact, oh, yeah. Hogan laid it in so hard with the forearm across the back, Stallone collapsed in a heap on the mat and knocked himself out. So, right. you know, Sending a little message there, I think, was Hogan, you know, and uh, yeah, it really added to the realism, I think. You know, Stallone, I think, has been known for that, too. He's yeah. not afraid to take a shot or two, sure. and I really do think that it helps particularly his art, you know, yeah, that much more. Definitely. Um, a lot of this, you know, stem from Vince Sr., the fallout, Rocky Three appearance, Vince buys the WWF a million bucks and all that stuff. And, you know, the change happens. The, the incomparable Iron Sheik becomes the world champion by defeating Bob Backlund. Um, a virtual, this, let's talk about this win real quick because it is obviously imperative to Hulkamania. The Iron Sheik winning the title on, you know, what was it, the day after Christmas, December yep. 26th? Oh, yes, sir. Yeah, I know uh, uh, Monty mentioned last night that the newspaper printed the uh, Madison Square Garden results and he saw that. But nobody knew about it until the following Saturday when it was literally uh, a Tuesday or a Wednesday that Sheik won it. And they had to go ahead and, you know, back then, this is, you know, it's not modern like it, it is now where you can just throw in the clip. This was yeah. like breaking news, right, Benny? This was like oh, yeah. breaking news on that Saturday. Big time, big time news. Yep. So, I mean, my phone rang off the hook constantly. Oh, my God. Bob Backlund, five-year champion. Oh my God, what's going on? We were we were in a whirlwind there. So you know you got the Iron Sheet coming back, and all of a sudden Hulk Hogan comes back. You know here it is right here. He's coming back. Backlund's got him. They do this interview with Mean Gene, and um, that was basically um, I wouldn't say a passing of the torch, so to speak, but. You know, Backlund's speech there said that Hulk Hogan has changed his ways because we all know he was a bad guy when he left WWE right. years prior. Yeah, they had to explain that. Yeah, and Backlund was there. He's changed his way. Like, he had to 
you know, tell the crowd that, but I don't think it mattered because when he came through the curtain, he got the pop. The crowd, yeah, he got the pop. The ring barriers were pushed. People wanted to, you know, touch him and see him and all that stuff. You know, that to me, that there was a whirlwind there. That was like two or three weeks of must see championship wrestling. Yeah. Channel 56. That picture you just showed, Joe, you know, they yeah. say a picture's worth a thousand words. There it is. Yeah. Look at that. Bob Backlund is wearing an amateur singlet, okay? Yeah. yeah. He just pulled that out of the dustbin a little while ago. He wasn't wearing that. And that, nope. I think he nope. was trying to send a message maybe right there to Hogan, too, mm-hmm. with respect to. Yep. Backlund appreciates, you know, amateur athletes, wrestlers in particular. And, uh, you know, I can't help but think that was not just a little subtle jab or just a little sign of something because he didn't wear the singlet really that much. No, only at the very end. No. Yeah. Correct. And yeah. you notice that Hogan is wearing the T-shirt. Remember the T-shirts back in the day, guys? You could go down to the Army Navy surplus store yeah. and get the letters printed on or, or oh, pressed yeah. onto yeah. the shirt. You know, they do it in the back of the record shops. I remember. Yeah, that. exactly, oh, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, the reason one of the reasons Hogan came back is because Vern Gagne wanted to get a, a cut of his T-shirt sales. You know, oh, and, yes, right. and, yeah. Hogan, and Hogan didn't want any part of that too. He wanted part of the T-shirt sales, part of the the, the money from Japan, and and. Uh, Oakster would have none of that. Yeah, so wasn't it said somewhere that Linda Hogan was actually selling Hulkamania t-shirts out of her trunk uh, at certain places in AWA? And I think Vern Gagne saw that as a threat because he wanted a piece. There's, there is a there is a story. I want to say it's almost in Bill After's book um, that that's mentioned where Linda Hogan was. Yes, active, you're right. I do recall reading that Hulkamania too. Hulkamania because yep. if you remember the old magazines, even I wish I brought that up because i totally forgot about that by the way the chat is hopping tonight so we got to give a shout out to everybody in the chat yeah um reading the pwi magazines i think hulk hogan was in like ads saying order the hulkamania shirt he had he was doing this or something he had a red hulkamania shirt on he might have yeah it just said it in the in the in the normal font it wasn't the the flashy hulkamania that we see nowadays I know he right. uh, he modeled the the PWI the Pro Wrestling Illustrated yep, shirt too. Yep, but Maybe they had a little yeah. exchange thing going on, but yeah, but, but T-shirts, as we know now, yeah, huge business, and this was really the start of of merchandising. Was, you know, he was definitely ahead of it all. That is for sure. Uh, but I remember that reading that Linda was actually selling it out of the back of her out of the back of the car. And I believe it. Go ahead, Benny. There with the uh, with the singlet. But yeah. that was also one of the reasons why Vern didn't want to put the belt on Hogan was because, you know, the AWA for years and years, who were the champions? You had Vern Gagne. You had yeah. Nick Bunkle. Even uh, Mad Dog Bashan, you know, was actually an Olympic wrestler. Yes, he was. Yep. Yeah, so, I mean, you had, like, all these guys who could wrestle. Even uh, yeah. back in the day, Bill Miller. Bill Miller was a great amateur wrestler. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But he wrestled there as uh, Mr. M. Yeah. Under a Going, yeah. going going back to the singlet angle with Bob Backlund, I know it was relatively new. It was a couple of months well, in the making. Didn't, didn't Backlund towards the end of his reign, and I, I, it's been so long now, but yeah. I thought he he got the crew cut. He kind of lost a lot of his physique. He lost some of his his definition, and he started wearing the singlet. Almost like it almost felt like he knew he was going to be, you know, I, I, going. That's where I was heading with that. I think he did that as knowing that. You know, this all just didn't come together within a couple of hours. Obviously, things like this are planned out. So he knew the end was coming. So that, you know, going back to the to the original NCAA, Bob Backlund, as we know, with the singlet and all that could have been just an F you to Vince. Well, I'm going to do this for the next 
three months. And, you know, when I lose, I lose because I thought it was weird. And going yeah. back, to, and going back, Phil, you, you went to the, the Boston Garden. Um, you know, Backlund's run was weird because I remember some matches, snooker matches against Jimmy Superfly Snooker. Yeah. Backlund was booed and snooker was cheered. Yeah, you're right. Snooker was kind of a notable exception in that regard. He was, right. yes, yep. he was, he was a, he was a fan favorite right from the beginning. You know, right. they should never have billed him as the crazy superfly. Yeah, if he should have just came in because the thing with Captain Lou, which was a great angle, the Captain Lou Ray Stevens angle. Oh, that was, was a, that was a great angle. Yeah, that was shocking. You know, Buddy Rogers, you know, the Rogers corner and all that stuff. He came in, but like I remember, I want to say before. Um, the Hogan thing, Backlund's last few title defenses at the Garden, yeah, which were which, are, which were your usual ho hum, George Steele in the summer. Uh, um, I, I think he finished up a, a a run with Morocco, you know, things like that. But at the Garden, at the Boston Garden, at least I don't know about Madison Square Garden, Benny. He was booed. He was people didn't like him. They thought he was boring every time he wrestled. I mean, I mean, he had a sleeper match with Morocco for sixty minutes. And they sat in the middle of the ring. He had the, you know, his arms wrapped around Morocco for like 20 minutes. And it was just plain boring. And he lost the crowd and everything. And I think I think Vince caught on to that. What do you guys I think? I mean, it was this time. I mean, geez, the guy was he would have been in February, would have been six years. I mean, that's a long time. Yeah, I think it was so. it was time. It was time to change. Yeah, I, I mean the sport was changing. You could you could see it. Um I think some of the storylines were getting, I mean, the superstar Billy Graham storyline ripping up the title. That was like, oh my God, what did he do that for? That was kind of like the beginning of the end when you think about it. He yeah. ripped up the title and when he got the green belt, they said the green belt was cursed because that's when he lost it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. That's when he lost it. And that belt didn't last very long. I think that lasted, what, two months? Hogan wore that. Yeah. But isn't it funny how wrestling, they never waste anything. So like when Backlund turned heel, what, like 10 years later? Yeah. You know, they brought, they brought back Arnold Skull and, and oh, you know, and, get and, and then, you know, Backlund said, well, I never lost the title, Arnold. You know, and then he turned on Arnold. It's like they, they never waste anything. Yeah. No. Yeah. I noticed when Hogan came back on that weekend with Bob Backlund and everything, everything changed. I mean, you already had Mean Gene already planted in. So the announcership was changing. It wasn't like Pat Patterson with uh, with with uh, Vince McMahon, or you know, things started to change. Jesse the Body came aboard. Things he raided the AWA, not just with Hogan. Oh, you got Jesse, yeah. you got Adonis, you got Mean Gene. Yep, you, uh, you got David Schultz. Yeah, I mean, a whole bunch of guys. Yep. Um, the um, yeah, the Adrian Adonis thing. He the East West Connection came a couple of years prior. But they and then they went singles, and obviously, you know, that turned into a big deal. And we all know what happened to Adonis and Jesse. Obviously, went to the announcer's booth, but things were changing rapidly, though. That's what I'm trying to get at. When Hogan won the title, um, right here, when Hogan won the title, right there, the crowd goes nuts. We have all the photos. Andre, congratulations! It. It's a huge thing. Hulkamania was born. I posted this on my Facebook the other day, January mm. 23rd. I mean, just look at him going down the aisle with the belt. You never saw that really with Backlund towards the end or anybody. These fans wanted to, to you know, be a part of Hulk Hogan and, you know, all that good stuff. So what do you guys think about that? Was it Fast and Furious back then, all the changes? 
it, yeah, it I think so. Good. I mean, you know, like you say, the like you guys say, the AWA was raided. That was one. Of the, that was really the first territory territory we recall with yeah. this mass exodus or this mass influx in. Right. You know, back you know back not so long ago, you might get one new guy every maybe six sure. months, and it really, yeah. and we as fans were allowed to really have the time to get to know this new right. star to really focus on them and. Uh, appreciate them but we weren't used to that clip that speed of all these new people coming in too so yeah. from a fan perspective it, it took a little adjustment i think too yeah, there was a lot of um just a lot of changes every week i thought like it was just but even when i you know hogan appeared on did they, i'm trying to remember did they announce hogan when he obviously he won the title but when did he first appear on championship wrestling as the champion does anybody remember that like, I don't know. I can, it wasn't for a while because yeah. he, uh, and I was going to mention this, sure. uh, and I didn't even know this until I did a little bit of research uh, today, yeah. but yeah. he um, he won the title on the 23rd. Yep. By the 27th, he was in Japan again. Yeah. Um, and he wrestled uh, against, in a tag team match against uh, Tatsumi Fujinami and Inoki. Yeah. And guess who his partner was? Who was it? Andre? No. Who was it? You never guess. Sweet Mike, Sharp. Sharp. Mike Sharp. <laughs> Mike Sharp. Wow. Canada's greatest athlete. Yes, sir. Yeah, with the with the black thing. Oh, I remember that. We were just talking about that the other day, Mike Sharp. Um Wow. But he didn't he didn't get he was, back. He was, a, he was a mainstay for WWE for a while. He was like that just above the mid card, but not main event, because he always filled in for a backland match. He was always that guy. I don't know, Phil, if you remember at the Boston Garden. Oh, so and so can't appear, and Iron Mike Sharp would take the place. Yeah, and it was like, what's going on? Like, okay, Mike Sharp's here, but he was always that guy. He was always around. Let's put it that way. He was just always around, part of a storyline. I know they had it. They tried to make a storyline with him and uh, Backlund, and it was the worst storyline. It's like, oh, this they just didn't match well together. I, I you know, they tried to push that on us and. That didn't work for me, but uh, yeah, it's too bad. They're both fitness fanatics and yeah. and and pretty fastidious in general. And uh, yep. you know, I think they actually had a lot in common. You know, yeah. J. Yeah. Will, J. Will says Iron Mike Sharp was the cleanest wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so you should have done soap commercials. You yeah. know, if they marketed yeah. him, man. So real quickly, I had to do some research on my own. Now, March seventeenth, nineteen eighty four. Boston Garden was the first title defense Hogan had at the Boston Garden. I do believe um, he wrestled the month before or somebody somebody substituted for Backlund because here's how it went. Hogan won the title, but Backlund lost the title in December. Then I posted on my Facebook last week on Saturday Night uh, Wrestling Remembers um, – they had the one and only rematch. Backlund and Sheik was at the Boston Garden. And that was January. I want to say the second week of January. And it was it was nine. It was January 11th or 12th. It was actually nine days later that Hogan won the title. So Hogan won the title late January. Benny, you said he went to Japan. He, he, did, he did his run there. And he comes back in February. Right. And looking at the... Um, I want to say that when I look back on it, Hogan was a substitute for somebody as a, as the champion, though. But it wasn't back. It was weird. So it, it wasn't a title. It wasn't a title defense. Something happened. I forget what it was. Um, 
But nonetheless, come along March, uh, March 17th, ironically, on St. Patty's Day, I found these pictures that I was there and I took. So they're kind of blurry. I tried to clean them up. But this is March 17th, 1984. This is um, Hulk Hogan's first title defense at the Boston Garden against Dr. D, David Schultz. Oh, wow. Now, as you can see, these are uh, photos that I have that I've had. So you could just see. I'm, t I'm taking pictures here. Look, I don't know if you can see the bottom right where the Hulkamania is. He's doing his strut. Yeah. Look at the kids popping up on the shoulders to get a look at this guy. <laughs> this is the look at now, that flying elbow. You got to remember now, the last few months at the Garden were kind of, I went to the rematch with the Sheik and back. The crowd was not into it. The crowd was kind of dying out at that time. And then all of a sudden Hulkamania comes. And look at the top picture where he's ripping his shirt off. Look at the crowd. They're standing. Um, look at him coming into the ring, top left corner. Dr. D. David Schultz is like, wow, look at this reaction. Like, you could just see the surprise in all this. Um, that, That's to me, is, you know, historic in itself. Hogan's first, first appearance at the Garden. I don't even know if he appeared at the Boston Garden back in 79, 80, when he had his run with Andre and all that. I was, I'm not sure. I wasn't a fan then. I became a fan in 81. He came, yeah, Joe, he came, they came to Worcester too. They, they performed came, yeah. at the auditorium. They yeah, absolutely oh, did. Not the old Centrum or whatever it was. No, the old, before the Centrum even was the Worcester yeah. Memorial Auditorium, yeah. a 3,000 seat kind of theater. It was really a great place to see wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. So they made a few shows there too. So, but yeah, those are great pictures, man. And you know what? There's nothing like that Hogan pop, and I'm sure you heard oh, it know. too. Yeah, I'm gonna look up real quick. History yeah. to be has a great um website. Hold on one second. Bear with me, everybody. I'm just trying to find something here. They it, might have met in Fitchburg too, and you might you might actually get some validation for that. They might have yeah. met in, they, the circuit would be like Fitchburg and Worcester, and then maybe Boston. Yep. Smaller clubs, and then then they'd hit the big one. You know, when was his feud? Okay, so July 12th, 1980, um, Hulk Hogan was there. He defeated Gorilla Monsoon. That's that. That's the first appearance I see with him um, in the WWF as a bad guy. That's when he's a heel. Yeah. Place. Um, that was in. Let me see. Hold on. Jersey or Pennsylvania? Nope. This is Boston Garden. Actually, oh, Boston. Okay. July 12th, 1980. Crowd was 12,310. Hogan Imagine. defeated Gorilla Monsoon in six and a half minutes. Obviously a quick match. Yeah. Now check this out. Boston Garden, August 16th, 1980. Andre the Giant defeated Hulk Hogan in 15 minutes and 30 seconds. Doesn't say if it's a pinfall or a disqualification. It just gives you the results. Um, then we go a month later. Hulk Hogan defeated Pat Patterson via countout. So he was very active in 1980 yeah. um, with the WWF coming to Boston and all that stuff. And then I'm looking here. I'm going through the rest of 1980, and I don't see him at all. So I'm not sure where he went, if this is when he went to, back to the AWA. I think he went to Japan first, and then he, he joined the AWA. Okay, so outside of those springtime appearances at the Boston Garden, um, he disappeared. He was never on the card again. Um, yeah, so he was done there. Nothing, nothing. And then we go to 81, and he's not even around in 81. No, he's in AWA at that point. So at that time. So um, if you guys get a chance, that site is called History of the WWE. And when you click on it, it has every single television taping for 
from everything from world class to WWE to all that stuff. And they even go to arena results. They have all the arenas. I can tell you right now what oh, they wow. have. Okay. Um, Baltimore Civic Center, Greensboro, Madison Square Garden, Boston Garden, Atlanta Omni, Philadelphia Spectrum, Nassau Coliseum, Capital Center, Meadowlands, Rosemont Horizon, Sky Dome, Philly Civic Center, and other arenas. <laughs> And all of these go from 60s all the way to 2010s. Yeah. So this is a really intricate site. It's pretty oh, yeah. cool. Um, it's not just WW. They have, you know, it's W. It's Jim Crockett, WCW, ECW, TNA, Ring of Honor, Smoky Mountain. Um, and they have all the, all the results, everything. And that's when I kind of find out, you know, if I have a, a memory blank from when I went in 1981 thinking it was one month, I go back to this site and I'm like, okay, I know where I was then and all that stuff. So it's a cool site. Let's, yeah, check, out, let's yeah. check out some of the uh, chat guys. Let's see what's going on here. Yeah, what's going on there? Uh, go Maria Maria's in the house. The play of Beth Hopper's here. Welcome, welcome, everybody. Playmate. Um, yep, Monty and the Pharaoh. I mentioned that before the show. Slim Jim pulled out of the Royal Rumble. I don't care. That's breaking news. Um, long time advertisement of, of WWE. Um, they pulled out. They will not be at the Rumble. Slim Jim, obviously, I think L.A. Knight took over Randy Macho Man's spots, so to speak. If you yeah, know, it's very appropriate that a Slim Jim would pull out. Yep. Um, <laughs> Jay Will Hogan needs to smell the roses like Belichick and many others. He doesn't want to let it go. Rumor had it today he's Royal Rumble participant number thirty. Don't know how he's going to get to the ring, but that remains to be seen. No. Um, Maria Davis, Greg Gagne, to me, just looked weird. He had no wrestling body, not too great if a seller. He was uh, Vern's son. That's basically what he was, right, Phil? Benny? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he had the body of a used car salesman. But he yeah. could wrestle. I mean, he, I, was, I, he was very undersized, though. What is he? The High Flyers with um, – And Brunzel. Yeah, yeah, they were a very good tag team. And Brunzel pretty much carried him. Um, I thought that was weird. Some of these guys growing up didn't look – I mean, very rare um, – but you had a guy like Greg Gagne, like, why is he in the ring? Um, even a better example of that is a young Barry Windham. He was very, very skinny when he first appeared. Um, Him and wonder, Kendall Windham. Kendall, yeah. Kendall, Kendall as well was skinny. Obviously, they bulked up later on, but Kendall still had that skinny physique. Kendall's the only thing Kendall had going for him, he was tall. Yeah. Right. So that was good. Um, who else we got here? L Dirtbags in the house. Uh, Greg Gagne is literally like your wrestle, neighbor wrestling. He always looked odd to me. So a lot of a lot of non Vern Gagne. A lot of Gagne hate in the room. <laughs> um, you know, even as even as a twelve year old, I was scratching my head at the notion that Greg Gagne weighed two hundred and eighteen pounds. It yeah. just didn't make sense to me. You know. Yeah, wasn't there like a weight limit back then? Didn't you have to be a certain weight to be classified as a pro wrestler? I thought, you know, it was like over 220, maybe 215 or something. Yeah, 220 to 230 generally was the cutoff and go yeah. towards heavyweight. But, um, but you know, in reality, you yeah. know, it was he a, even a buck 80, a buck 70, you yeah. know. That's what he, shoes he, on. He was, yeah, I'd say like a buck 75. Five, yeah. Six. Shoes on and wet clothes. <laughs> right. Uh, Marie Davis, I think all the bumps in thrown into the turnbuckle and Hogan's body has really been beaten up bad. Yeah. Um, 30, how many years did he wrestle? God, 1979, 80 to what? 1977. Yeah, 77 was his start. Yeah. Yeah. Terry yeah. Uh, Belair or whatever. What, what was he called? He had a nickname. Didn't he have a nickname? He came in he as some Sterling, Sterling Golden. Sterling yeah. Golden. That's and right. Terry Boulder, too. Terry Boulder. Yeah, Terry. Yeah. And Brutus was Dizzy Boulder, I think. 
Now, yep. he would, he, Dizzy Hogan, Boulder, Dizzy Hogan, too. Yeah. And Hogan started out as a bouncer, right? At a bar. Uh, Briscoe's and all them went there. And didn't he have a, a meeting with some more of a there? bass player? I think he's a musician. Yeah, he was I a think, musician so. as well. Yeah, he was a musician. I forgot about that. Yeah, the guitar. Yeah. Um, and that was in the wrestling magazines, too. Like, even before he was with the WWF, like they were doing these spotlights on him. Like, they knew something was coming down the pike. You know what I mean? They knew something was coming. So let's start. You know, because folks, we all know wrestling magazines was the internet back then for us. So when you got these magazines, you kind of knew what was going on throughout the country and in the world of professional wrestling, right? I mean, am I wrong? No, they were the window into the into the wrestling world once upon a time. Granted, it was a delayed window, but it was it was the best we had, you know. And uh, it's what what we lived for them, man. Very eagerly, yeah. J. J. A. Will says Bob Backlund wore the singlet when he was in Georgia Championship Wrestling in the mid seventies. He would know. J. A. Will was watching yeah. back then too. Right. That's good, that's good. Um, and he uh, had something else of interest too. El Dirtbag. This was before ESPN carried AWA. My first exposure to Hulk Hogan was Rocky Three, and saw him in the first wrestle with the birth of Rock and Wrestling on MTV. Before that, I only had Portland Wrestling. That's right. So he's up there. Speaking of the rock and wrestling connection, I mean, um, it all started, right? Hulkamania is born. Things are flying out the window. And next thing you know, boom, they're hooked up with MTV and all this stuff. The war to settle the score. Um, things are changing rapidly again as, believe it or not, Captain Lou Albano turns good. Um, a longtime managerial uh, heel turns good. Like, things were changing. Like, it was... You know, fill in the blanks, guys. Let me We're tell you, yeah. it, fate really interceded here, I will say. It's because uh, both Captain Lou and Cindy Lauper were on a flight, I think, to Puerto Rico, perhaps, or from okay. Puerto Rico. Yeah. They happened to meet each other. Right. Cindy was a fan, you know, anyway, all her life. And yeah. she obviously, who, who wouldn't recognize uh, Captain Lou anyway, you know, right. and, yeah. uh, and they're both New Yorkers too, yeah. you know, which doesn't uh, hurt. I think Queens, uh, New York was something they had in common. Right. And anyway, um, that's really where the rock wrestling connection was forged. And, you know, it, it was born on an airplane. And I, I think it was uh, a trip to Puerto Rico, if I'm not mistaken. And um, it just went from there. So, you know, yeah. as much as we like to th- say that all these geniuses were at work, you know, creating this, sure. this meeting of two forces, Right. It was just, it might have been a little happenstance. I mean, no, I would call no. it fate, you know, the guided hand either. of the Lord, maybe bringing right. these two forces together. And uh, and then it went from there, you know? There, are no, put, co- there are no coincidences, right? No. Who put, you know, who put this chocolate in my peanut butter, you know? And it's like, right. yeah. yeah. And all yeah. of a sudden, the, the Reese's peanut butter cup is still, I, I still like when they walk into the corner. The chocolate and the peanut butter, and they bump into each other. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, one of the greatest things, though, I thought was that for years and years as a young wrestling fan, I was, you know, you, you kind of were shamed. You you had you had your your little clique of wrestling friends right. that you know, and that you shared your love of wrestling with, but you couldn't really spread that around. Whereas you know, once Hogan came on the scene, yep. and you had the Rock and Wrestling connection, now it's mainstream. So now you can be proud to be a wrestling fan. And the other thing is, I and the, you know Phil can say yes or no, but I feel like there was a huge shift in emotion as a fan. I mean, when we watched you know Bruno or Pedro or even Backlund, uh, you know wrestle, there was like a like an anxiety and an anticipation. You're like right that, and it was a, a real I call it, I guess a real fight feel. 
kind yeah. of thing. We had some dread. Yeah. Right. Yep. And, and and now with Hogan, it was it was more of an entertainment thing now. Yeah, the crossover definitely happened when Hogan won the title. Obviously, it was in the cards. They they knew when Vince bought the WWF, you knew things were going to change. And things started to change because literally when he bought the company from his dad, Backlund's days were numbered. Sheik won the title. I mean, the changes were fast and furious, like we said. Uh, Hogan, um, MTV, you talk about entertainment. There it is. WrestleMania 1 was huge. Um, I don't. I know Billy Martin's probably missing from the photo and all that stuff. But who in their right mind would put wrestling in a category with Liberace, Cindy Lauper, Muhammad Ali, Billy Martin, Mister T? It's a who's who at the time of entertainment. Yeah. And Vince wanted to do one thing and one thing only, and that was to make wrestling mainstream. And the only way he could do that is to. And Hogan was the uh, carrier of that. Uh, or the catalyst for that is to put everybody either in the ring or somehow being involved with 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 the WWF. That, and these these are the most colorful characters and their oh, yeah. chosen endeavors, yeah. their chosen fields. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you think up, about yeah. it, you I know, mean, Muhammad Ali. I mean, you know, he, yeah, was he, he not the most colorful fighter of all time? The greatest you know? champion, right? Liberace yeah. in yeah. terms of um, musicians. Yep. Cindy Lauper, of course. Cindy Lauper, of course. I mean, they picked Wendy Richter. I didn't know who Wendy Richter was before this whole rock and wrestling war to settle the score was. Cindy Lauper supposedly picked her. Obviously, she was a wrestler and she's been around. I never saw her before. Um, I know there's pictures of her back in the day when she didn't look nothing like how she looked. Yeah. For the, for the matches. She, you're Did right. anybody, anybody hear of Wendy Richter before this? We might have heard of her, but didn't really remember, I think. Might have seen and a I, picture or two in the magazines, but, you I know. Think, I think Leilani Kai was more popular or. Yeah, Velvet um, McIntyre, maybe. Judy, Judy Martin and the well, Jumping Bomb like, like the ones you're mentioning right now. She, she didn't have that same name value. She's relatively unknown. Yeah. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. She looked like the Hulk Hogan of women because she was kind of a, you know, women wrestlers back then weren't that big. Um, she's very I'm telegenic. Talking, I'm talking, yeah, I'm talking height wise and all that stuff. I don't want to start, you know, body shaming and all that stuff. No, what I'm trying to say is Wendy Richter fit the role perfectly. Let me put that picture back up. She was tall. She yeah. was big. She, I know she was taller than most people. Yeah. Um, you know, most wrestlers are, they picked, they picked her and she ran with it. You know, then came the big hair. Then came the music videos. She was in the she bop. All those ones, uh, Captain Lou was in, Girls Just Want to Have Fun and everything else. Then the other videos came out, Land of a Thousand Dances, The Goonies. Goonies. Uh, that one, uh, I forget the name, they're all at the gas station trying to get gas. It's a Cindy Lauper song, and they're all in it. Nikolai Volkov. It almost looks like they went from one set from a Land of a Thousand Dances <laughs> to the next set for Cindy Lauper. They probably and, did. Uh, yeah, if anybody <laughs> in the chat remembers that, that would be I'm great. trying to think of that, man. Um, I don't know Maria, that one. Maria Davis, Wendy Richter, I think she was from Texas. Yes, she, yes, right. she was. Yeah. She had a green eye and a blue eye brown, but she thinks it was contacts. Well, maybe. I don't know if they had those back then like that, did they? Colored contacts? That's a that's something interesting. I, and J.A. Will, I same thing. I first saw Mr. T at that tough on that uh, tough man contest. Yeah, I think I saw him too, you know. Um J.A. Will Penny Banner was a nice looking woman's wrestler in the 70s. Yes, oh. she was. 
Very nice. Uh, Vivian Michonne. I think I have a topic for next week's show. Women's wrestlers. That might sure. be something to look at. Oh, yeah. Sure. Um, you know, I think, um, yeah, they picked they picked Wendy Richter, and she was perfect for that situation. And that situation was, I, I think it was more on Cindy Lauper because when Wendy Richter defeated the fabulous Moolah, all eyes were on Cindy Lauper. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? She was there. She raised her hand. And, all that. and I looked at some of the videos today, and it really wasn't on Wendy Richter. It was all on Cindy Lauper. So, I mean, I'm not saying that anybody could have filled that role, but obviously she filled the role and did the best she could. And as we move forward, Hogan starts appearing on everything. You see him everywhere. Grammy Awards. Uh, with Joan Rivers, Regis Philbin, yeah. and then of course Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling on Saturday mornings. That was kind of neat. Um, I didn't watch it. I think this is where they the the genre was shifting. They wanted to get the the younger generation in on this um, to look up to him and all that stuff. I'm sure. By the way, uh, Bruce Butler ESO was on a little while ago, but for some reason had computer issues, so we lost him. I forgot to mention that at the beginning, but he's nowhere to be found. He, um, I, I guess his computer just blew up on him, like seriously went up. So and it's a brand new computer, is what he told me. It wasn't. Oh, no. Yeah. So yeah. he, he yeah. was on. He's not. I don't think he's even on the chat. So he's uh, not. I'm not. I don't yeah. See so here. so he lost all <laughs> that. El Dirtbag, the Goonie song was more about wrestling than the movie. Uh, How about J.A. Well? He said even Mula used to be good looking. <laughs> yeah, in 1957. Yeah. What was her name? What was her real name? It was, Lillian uh, Ellison. Yeah. Yep. Ellison. Yep. May Young. Her and May Young. What a tag team. Yeah, uh, she was attractive in uh, during World War II. Yeah, this, well, yeah, there's some, good fo- there's some good photos of them when they were younger. That's for sure. She was something yeah. before electricity, I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I make mean, $14 uh, now, way. Uh, Maria Davis wrestling was the star, I guess. That's what she put in. She put an emoji in there. Um, all that stuff. Uh, Mildred- I have a question for you. I have a question for sure. you guys, though. Yeah. Because this is something I always want to find out people's opinions on. Number two-sided question. One is if uh, Vern had done the right thing and put the belt on Hogan, right. what do you think would have happened in the AWA? Do you think they would have went on, you know, for a little while longer? Do you think Vince would have? I, you know, I think Vince would have just bought him anyway. And number two, it had had um, had Hulk stayed in the AWA, do you think anybody could have done in early '84 what what Hulk did? Well, maybe maybe we could have. They would have brought Nikita in to be a heel champion, maybe, and have uh, right. Sergeant Slaughter or someone. You know, come from the other side to compete. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, he's. I think he again. He did that raw clay that uh, that Vince loves, and uh, he can mold him into into what he wants him to be. And Nikita certainly lived the gimmick, so he would have been great. And, and in that in that era, you know, a Russian heel again, yep. right. perfect. You know, I think that I think Nikita probably would have gotten the call. And, I think uh, it would have been great had he. Oh, had absolutely. absolutely. Well, just don't forget, he wasn't around at that time. He had some issues, personal issues, so he was out. Right, but I'm saying, he had, he, had he, you know, kept his nose clean, literally, yeah. you know, and stayed, you know, stayed in shape, I think he would have been a great. Because I mean, when he was, when he turned babyface, yeah, I don't think there was anybody more popular than him. Oh, no, he, you're right, absolutely. And you know, the thing of thing about the AWA, and I remember this before Hogan came in and got the title. 
There's this TV show, syndicated show. You guys probably have seen it in your markets. Okay. Around here, they called it Evening Magazine, but oh, yeah. uh, other places it was PM Magazine. Don't forget, I, I lived in Boston just a couple I know, of years man. ago. Rob, I know, man. Robin and Marty were the Robin hosts, and Marty. Yeah, Robin yeah. Young. You Robin Joe. Young. Robin yes. Young. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and um, Barry Nolan, too, right? Was Barry Nolan Barry? was there, too. Yeah. 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 I, I can't remember Marty's last name, but I'll, I'll, that'll come to me. But anyway, they did a feature on the AWA, and they oh, had a feature okay. with Hogan and uh, oh, wow. Hogan prepping before he went out to the ring. Right. Eye of the Tiger, the whole I think deal. I remember that. I and I just the that. crowd, the way the crowd was. You knew then they had lightning in a bottle, you know? Right. And the thing is, the AWA, a very appealing place to work, right? They oh, worked yeah. maybe four days a week, yeah. if that. They took summers off. So, you know, for many people, that would have been an ideal situation. With Hogan on the top of the card, all yeah. these large houses everywhere, they flew everywhere out there, too. So I think it would have been an ideal place to work. It would have drawn a lot of talent, and it likely would have lasted a little while. But I, I, I think, you know, let's remember Vern Gagne. When, when, it, when he was talking to Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty, and they were talking about, you know, the Rockers, the team was the Midnight Rockers yep, the Midnight originally. Rockers. Yep. And Vern said, aren't you guys, aren't you worried that people are going to confuse you with, you know, two people like in rocking chairs or old people? And they're like, no, no, Vern, we've got this, you know. <laughs> Vern was Vern was a little out of touch even That's then. That's what I was so. He was a little out of touch. And I, yeah. You know, I mean, the dementia is a, uh, he died of dementia, complications of dementia. Yeah. You never know at this stage of the game where his mind was at. Getting getting back to if, you know, if Hogan won the belt and all that stuff. I my gut feeling is if Hulk, if they gave the title to Hogan, I don't think they had the the ingenuity like Vince had to push Hogan worldwide, nationwide. I think Vern Gagne was such an old timer, territorial guy that he thought if you put the belt on Hogan, that would secure his territory for how, however long they could maintain it before Vince went national. I think it overall would have just delayed Vince's um, takeover of everything. I honestly think that if Hogan did win the title and Vern Gagne gave to him, they wouldn't have that market. They wouldn't have that uh, train to get Hogan nationwide. I don't think it was – they weren't even set up like that. They kind of were a small shop, if I if I remember correctly. Yeah, they, they, were. Were, they were still the show up, wrestle, you get paid. That type of thing. We'll see you tomorrow night in Minneapolis. We'll see you it tomorrow. It was a territory. Yes. Right. Yeah. So it was a territory. And and I think Vern Gagne wanted to keep it like that, uh, almost like an, uh, a nostalgia type thing. It may have, may have lasted a couple more years before Vince finally found somebody else. But, you know, as it goes, Vince and Hogan had that conversation. Him, Hogan and Vern Gagne had a handshake agreement. Vince promised yeah. billions of dollars notoriety i don't think he would have got that in awa he might have covered the the magazines and all that stuff for years but he would not have gotten the exposure i don't think we'd have the pictures of him and joan rivers him with cindy lopper with all that on the You're right new york the kind of the entertainment capital definitely right. but in terms of the larger arenas yeah. you know awa when they were they were in canada Yep. They hit Canada regularly, yeah, Winnipeg, yeah. big market. San Francisco, California was theirs too. Yeah, yeah. So they so they did. Again, their their territory was spread out, but they did yeah. have big houses and they did very well filling them once upon a time too. Yeah. But yeah, Does New it, York is New York. It's a separate thing altogether. I don't, I don't think they would have had that train to put Hogan over like that, though. I think it just but, would have stayed in the territory and that's it. 
But even no, if he I, had become champion, you don't think Vince would have said, hey, whatever Vern's giving you, I'll double it. I mean, because keep in mind, I, and I, I'm not sure what year it was, but I believe Vince offered Harley Race, I think, a quarter of a million bucks to yep. show up in the uh, World Wrestling Federation. Stark you know, when, This is when he, when, when he was the NWA champion. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. With, with the belt. And then he also supposedly yep. paid, offered uh, – um, no, that was that was Vern. Vern offered Sheik one hundred and twenty-five thousand yeah, dollars to break to be break like, Hogan's. Yeah, yeah. No, but, but but Vince offered Race that money. I guarantee you that he would because he was buying everybody by then. He you know, yeah. he, he got all those guys from the AWA. He yeah. got uh, Valentine and Piper from Mid Atlantic. He got Duggan from Mid South. I think he got Coco Beware from Memphis. Um, so he, he's, he was raiding all the territories, not just right. the AWA. I just don't, I just don't think Vern Gagne had that marketing. Uh, train that I'm trying to think of the word that pushed to get him nationwide, even though if they go to San Francisco and all that, I still think it just would have been a territorial no, thing. Because yeah, he didn't have the business when Hogan, business. when Hogan won the title in, in Hulkamania started, he was every state, every city. Um, people he was already Rocky Three and all that. My my gut is Vince had a meeting with Hogan. Here's what the X amount of money that you're going to be offered. You're going to make sign here. Now we have to get this going. We get, we have to get the title off the Sheik. We, you know, all that stuff or whatever it was, Backlund's gone. Cause you know, this was set up beforehand. Um, Vince laid it out and this is how it is. And, you know, I don't think Vern Gagne could have had that a handshake. It was, think about it. It was a contract signing with Vince versus a handshake with Vern Gagne. What are you going to do in that situation? You know what I mean? Vern Gagne is living the old style where a handshake meant everything and I got you and that's it. You got to wrestle for me. And I don't know if he got wind of that because I, I don't know what the real story is with that, uh, that the night of champions there in Minneapolis when Hogan won the title and then all of a sudden it was reversed because he threw Bockwinkle over the top rope like 10 minutes prior, um, right. which was a ridiculous rule in any wrestling uh, town, but any organization but what do you guys think of that? You think you think Vern might have had uh, an inkling that Hogan was leaving? I don't know that he had an inkling that he's leaving. I think he just had his own doubts about uh, making Hogan champion, and he just left himself an out for that too. And I do think it ultimately was business. You know, again, sure. Vern notorious for wanting a cut of everyone he's trained or given a, an opportunity to. He wanted it, I guess, in perpetuity. You know, he want. You know, he was. I don't know what it was, 10% in perpetuity for the people he trained or 20% for X number of years yeah. and, that's all and old so school. forth. That's all old school numbers, though. You know what I mean? Oh, no, it is. And, yeah, it is. But, um, yeah, not too many people went for that, you know? Well, yeah, times are changing. It's not 1960 anymore. And um, we get some comments here. Maria Davis, I think Hogan would have stayed in the AWA. He would not have had the push to become the wrestling star he became. Similar to what I said. Yeah. Um, basically, he doesn't have it in there. Um, loose cannons in the house. Hey, welcome, loose. AWA would have been strong until Hogan Aventura and Heenan left too. But don't forget, they all left because um, they saw the greener pastures, you know, before Hogan and all that stuff. It was kind of weird though, seeing Ventura and Adonis showed up. All these AWA figures show up before Hogan. I found out in the wrestling magazines that all these guys came from the AWA, and Even then Heenan, I was, too, Bobby Heenan. I even think uh, in the AWA, Hogan and Andre had an arm wrestling match, right? Didn't they start a feud in the AWA with that years ago or something like that? 
it was an arm wrestling between uh, an arm wrestling match. With yes, him. there was. I remember seeing the black and white pictures in one of the magazines, yeah. and it might have been. I'm not sure if it was AWA or if it was maybe. Um, I don't know if it was down south, maybe. It might maybe. Have, I'm yeah. not sure, but they did definitely have that. They definitely had an arm wrestling thing. Um, and what else we got here? A lot of comments coming in here. Uh, El Dirtbag, it was the Goonie song with the gas station. The Iron Sheik dressed as the pirate was great. Yep, I remember that. Johnny May Young. You guys remember that? Yeah. J.A. Will says Johnny May Young. Wow. And he and uh, Jay Will again says AWA would have went a, a while longer. See, that's just it. Everyone's kind of in agreement because of AWA's promotion. Hulkamania obviously with Vince went worldwide quickly. It would have died out, I think, in the AWA. It probably would have fizzled because the exposure wouldn't have been there for Hogan. So, the, well, yeah, I mean, the, the AWA would never have become the WWF because Vern Gagne wasn't Vince McMahon. He didn't have right. that vision. Vince had the vision. Yeah. I mean, it's a great question, Benny. It's a great hi hypothetical. What if Hogan, you know, kept the belt? You know what I mean? Uh, we can we can talk about that all night. We can talk about what if superstar Billy Graham kept the belt? Yeah. yeah. What 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 interruption would happen there? Would there be no Bob Backlund? Would there be somebody else? Um, would Graham hold on to the title for five years? What do you think? I, I don't think Graham would have lasted. No, you do. You do, Phil. I don't. I, I think the fans would have stuck with him. I just think he would have burned out. I don't. I don't. I don't think he could have sustained his lifestyle at that level for yeah. so long. You know. You know, he'd go into hiding from time to time to kind of recharge his batteries, but I, I don't. I don't know that he was built for that. You know, a five-year run. You know, I would have loved to seen him as a babyface champion, though, and feuding with all the heels. That would have been great. Yeah, I think um, Superstar would have been a champion, not for five years. I would say a good two. Couple yeah, years. I, yeah. I think I think they would have got him to nineteen eighty, and then. You know, somebody else would have been coming in the wings or something like that. Um, I wouldn't even know. Yeah, you probably would have saw a um, heel turn babyface with, with Graham. He was kind of popular anyways, looking at the old videos. He was the man you love to hate, kind of, so to speak. He was always causing – you knew when superstar Billy Graham was coming to the ring. If you watch the old Madison Square Garden Philadelphia Spectrum videos, when he came down the aisle in the ring, he caused a ruckus. People wanted to see him. And the Grand Wizard, his, you know, obviously, yeah. you, uh, Phil, you would know, hit and Benny, his physique was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, he Off was the, the Hulk, charisma. He was the Hulk Hogan before Hulk Hogan. I mean, he, Hulk Hogan he had his said, own word, yeah. pandemonium. It was, yeah. that, was, that word was yeah. just for him. The man in yeah. the hour, too sweet to be sour, uh, yeah. all that, you know, he was the Muhammad Ali on the mic. He was that. off the charts. And I know, uh, ahead of his time. I know Joe Maya said a uh, uh, good topic to have on the show would be best talk-ups. Uh, Mike battles like the Rock and Hurricane Helms. That's a good one. Uh, and, of course, the infamous Jumpin' Jeff Farmer. Yep. We got to have Jumpin' Jeff Farmer on the show. I like get him on the show. Things aren't going my way. Yep. Um, Jericho and the Rock had quite the battle, remember, when Y2J's uh, oh, debut? Oh, yeah. That Shut was great. Yeah, you got Cena Punk. You got Cena yeah. Rock. Cena Punk. Um, yeah, Katera I mean, and Heenan from the Worcester Centrum in 1987. The great. Oh today. yeah, that was great. Oh, what was yeah. that? I don't remember that one. That's what when that's when Heenan hurt his neck when Patera uh, beeled him across the ring. I know he wrapped the belt or something around his neck, but that was in Worcester. 
Was that, a, was, that a, was that a face turn for uh, Patera? Patera, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's when he got out of jail. Yeah, yes. he got out of jail. Classic. Uh, Billy Graham said on many occasions that Hulk Hogan stole his poses and gestures. Maria Davis said that. I, I agree with that only because Hulk Hogan has admitted that he grew up. Even Ric Flair mentioned it. That's who they wanted to personify. They wanted to put a little bit of superstar Billy Graham. That was the flair. Um, not the not the Ric Flair, but the the flair of the sport and the the entertainment aspect. So yeah, I mean Hulk Hogan did in a way copy Billy Graham, but he did his own stick. Um, in a way, so did Jesse. Jesse copied Jesse. Billy same thing. You know, these guys were big bodybuilders, and you know, unfortunately, we got to talk about the wrestling aspect between. I'll even mention Ventura and Hogan. Not the greatest technical wrestlers. Um, you know what I mean, Phil? What do you think about that? I wholeheartedly agree. But I will say this uh, in regarding Hogan. His matches in Japan, I think, were a lot better because Hogan did have that ability to rise to the occasion, you know? Um, yeah. So he was he was capable of uh, performing some good work in there. It's just he didn't need to when he was champion here. Yeah. You know, um, he was working, you know, sometimes two shows a day, right? Occasionally yeah. three shows yeah. a day traveling around. So he was a quick hit, five sure. minutes, do his thing. Right. You know, kind of what, what Stu Hart called Ric Flair. He called him a routine man, you know. There you go. So Hogan, had his, Hogan had his routine. And you know what? It worked. It worked for a long time. So They, they printed money to... for years. Yeah. No, I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah, they, they put butts in seats and made a lot of money. But when you talk about the technical aspect of the sport, right? Um, you think of a Bob Backlund, you think of, um, you know, um, who some of the other greats. But even Bruno, Bruno, Bruno San Machino could wrestle, match, right. Bruno's matches, there wasn't a lot of like wrestling in them. I mean, it was, you know, most most of the yeah, time. Headlock, the headlock match, punches and forearm smashes, it right. was, Bruno did a lot of stomping, a lot of, you know, a lot of, yeah. a lot of punching because there was, there was a revenge factor coming into the match because yeah. prior to the match, either Arnold Scullin got attacked right. or, you know, Danucci or his cousin, Antonio Pugliese, you know, got yeah. got attacked by that heel. So there was a buildup. So there was, you know, Bruno was out for this guy's blood. And yeah, there wasn't all there. Bruno was that Pedro, same thing. Pedro was a brawler, really. Yeah. I, mean, really- I, th- I think a lot of that has to do who they matched up against. I mean, Adrian Adonis was a great technical wrestler, and he pretty much out wrestled Paul Backlund at Madison Square Garden. It was a great match if you ever get a chance to watch it. Um, was that Adrian- when he was still from Hell's Kitchen? Yeah. yeah, he was from uh, yeah New York City and all that. Yeah, yeah or the Bowery was, maybe. The Bowery, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it was supposedly but, a legitimately tough guy too. From he was, he was a tough guy. He could take a beating and all that stuff. But, but it all depends on who you're matched up against. When you're right, won. go ahead. Yeah, Joe. You know, in regarding Bruno and who you're matched up with, I and I did not see this match, but Bruno yeah. and Pedro wrestled each other, didn't they? Yeah, Chase Stadium. Chase Stadium. They, they, they had a long bout, didn't they? Hour and fifteen minute drop. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would have been curious to see that match because that would not have been, I don't think, a punch stomp. I know. I, 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 no, I think that I, was scientific. I've seen that match. It was scientific. It was arm drags, arm, arm bars, hammer locks, all that good right. stuff. It was, a, it was a clean match. Um, I don't think. I think it went twenty minutes. No, no, it went an hour and change. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's yeah. that's pretty amazing too. You know, yeah. and they and I bet they kept the fans' attention for all that time too. So they did pretty Quite good impressive. with that. 
So you're right. It depends on the opponent, I think. Right. I mean, when you see Bruno taking on Ivan Koloff, it is punches and kicks and stomps because that's what Ivan Koloff does. Um, Sergeant Slaughter, he had some moves, but... Slaughter's a great worker, though, again, with the right person. Slaughter could fly around and work oh, yeah. really well. I, I think Slaughter came into his own when he fought Pat Patterson, obviously the bloodbath. Classic. But, but he, yeah. even, he even got more over... I'm not talking over with the fans, even though he became a good guy. His boot camp matches with the Iron Sheik were were phenomenal. I mean, he would take bumps. He would get. I mean, he was. He would throw his. He would sacrifice his body in a way that nobody saw before. Slaughter was a very tough guy in great condition. You know, Slaughter used to work on a roof. His dad had his own roofing company. Yeah. So anyone who does that, I can tell you, yep. it's got to be made of something. And here's something that I brought up before, sure. and I'm pretty sure this is true at least at one point. Okay. Um, Iron Sheik and Slaughter were both trained by Vern Gagne, and both okay. were from Minnesota, or at least um, Sheik emigrated to Minnesota, and Slaughter sure. was, yeah. was from Minnesota. Anyway, I think for a little bit of time, the Iron Sheik worked with Sergeant Slaughter at his father's roofing company. So, yeah. it, you know, imagine going back in time and looking up on the roof and seeing yeah. two of the laborers being <laughs> Sergeant Slaughter and the Iron Sheik. Imagine yep. them getting into a fight up there. Oh my you know? god! Imagine they'd fall off the roof and be okay. <laughs> I, I just lie. <laughs> Amazing. You know, if you can trust each other on a roof, you can trust each other in a boot camp. I think you know. It's like J. A. Will's going to the mailbag on this one. The best wrestling physiques of the '60s and '70s was Sailor Ott Thomas, Thomas, Maynard, Atlas, Star, Ivan Putsky, and Reggie Park. Right? I'll go with that. Yeah. yeah. Tony Atlas was unbelievable. Big man. And I think somewhere in the chat, Monty and the Pharaoh was talking to him about they were trying to push. Um, they thought, hold on one second, if I can. Uh, J.A. Will had Tony Atlas had his head on in 1984. They stated they wanted to put him on top. And then Monty says, uh, that's that's a story. Not sure if it's true. Well, you think Tony Atlas would have been uh, something in 84 if um, he wasn't, you know, self-destructing? I don't know if he was self-destructing then. Um, but I don't know. That's really, uh, you That's know, it. it was a different time and it, and, and it could have been, but ultimately I guess it had to do with his, uh, dependability. Yeah. But how, about, how about his, his tag team partner, uh, who also had one of the best physiques, Rocky, oh, Johnson. Rocky Johnson. Yeah. And they were the first was a great tag team champions. Yeah. yeah. Um, great Ray matches with Morocco too. Oh yeah, yeah Absolutely. Yep. Hogan had about three moves, a leg drop, and that was one of his signature moves. Maria Davis obviously uh, knows about Hogan. <laughs> uh, she says also that Bruno had three moves as well, and he wasn't a technical wrestler. No. Bruno Sammartino. So there was no need for Bruno to be. There was it. It was based on emotion. It was you know that, that's yeah. what the people wanted to see. The people wanted to see him bust George Steele open. They didn't want to see him give him a, a top wrist lock. Yeah. Uh, by WrestleMania 7, Loose Cannon said Slaughter was in horrible shape as WWF champ. He was gassed during his whole match with Hogan at WrestleMania 7. I, I agree with that. Um, I think that was an experiment gone wrong, by the way, given Hogan, I mean, uh, given Slaughter the title during that, um, what was it, Desert Storm or whatever it was yeah, called? Yeah, that. That yeah. Really, they, they had to change the venue, right? Because of a bomb scare or a terrorist, you know, there's some there's some debate whether it was that or whether it was ticket sales. It's a good story that it was that, yeah. but I'm not sure if it was really more box office than a box office bomb versus a an actual bomb threat. I don't know. Yeah, Jay Will says Rocky Johnson. Barry Boys. 
Rocky was also aspiring partner for George Foreman. I think I remember reading that. Yes, yes, yes. That is like true. That. Yep. That's good. And somebody said, Jay Will, a roofer is an industrial athlete. <laughs> I concur, J.A. There you go. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and Franco Colombo was a brick mason. And Franco was one of the strongest bodybuilders in the world. He could yeah. go into Venice Beach, jump over the fence, get on the bench with 500 pounds cold yeah. and do reps. He was uh, – Franco was uh, pretty amazing. Not a, not a big guy either, right, Phil? Franco, not a good guy? No, not a, not, a, not a tall guy. He was small. No, guy, no, 5'3", really. maybe. He was 5'3", wow. And what, like maybe 200 pounds? Yep. He won, he won the Olympia in the under 200-pound class. Wow. Yeah, but he was uh, – That's borderline he, midget wrestling. Yeah, he was a little Sardinian <laughs> monster. He was amazing. Yeah. Loose Cannon says it was low ticket sales with the Slaughter Hogan WrestleMania. Yeah, I, I echo that, Loose. They, I, bar I, I they barely filled the arena. So, um, yeah. So, moving on with Hogan real quickly, because I know we're getting shorter on time here. Um, obviously, mainstream Richard Belzer show. You talked about oh, this. Yeah. Uh, why don't, Phil, uh, why don't you describe this, what happened here? Well, you know, it was a, a pre WrestleMania situation, I think think uh along the lines of the dr d david schultz mr t's uh, uh um, john stossel situation yeah. and uh i don't know if hogan was given any instruction or any uh prodding in advance but uh i think he was out to kind of maybe uh show how they were real athletes they were really capable of uh inflicting some uh you know, some damage and, and yep. to put Richard Belzer to sleep was a, a pretty amazing thing, you know, on TV, no less. I don't recall if it was live. I do. I did see it at least on tape, but uh, yeah, but he basically face lock or a headlock. What? I know there was a lawsuit and everything, but do you think this was real? Do you think this was set up? Oh, definitely. There was a little pool of blood under Richard anyway. Oh, he, he, okay. he definitely, he definitely hurt himself. Yeah. yeah. Look how young he is. Jeez. <laughs> And then he goes on for law and order. So you got to love that. Uh, he's no longer with us, though. Richard Bell's. No, yeah, he did pass yeah. away. That is correct. Yeah, not too long ago, too. Oh. Hulk Hogan, Johnny Carson. That was the, a big one. The yep. king of wrestling and the king of late night, man. Yep. Honest no, to God. That's when you knew it was, it was big time. You just knew something was going on. Now, I'm not sure. We might be, I might be wrong on this, but I do believe this is a Rocky Three appearance. Yeah, I'm not sure if he was with the WWF just yet. I know he was on Johnny Carson after he became champion, but I want to say this photo with his glasses and the way he's you're right because he would have had a Hulkamania shirt on. He probably would have been more glammed up. Yep. This looks like an appearance for the movie Rocky Three. This is pre WWF. Um, pre WWF. Well, you can just tell yep. about the way he looks and all that. Um, obviously, he's bulked up pretty good, but he always wore the sunglasses with the AWA. Um, because obviously, when you go now, that's the Hulkamania we I remember. Yeah, uh, ripping the shirt off, all that stuff. You know, that's a far cry from just wearing sunglasses and being modest. Well, yeah, when he became champion, I think he was on Joan Rivers, and you know, Joan Rivers yep. and Johnny Carson had a falling out, and yep. part of that falling out uh, meant that if you appear on Joan Rivers, you're not coming on Carson. So Hogan, yeah. I think, made the the Joan Rivers appearance, so he wouldn't have gone back to Carson as champion. I don't think. I think there was a further a further falling out too because when Johnny Carson retired, Joan Rivers was slated to take that spot. He put um, the kibosh on it, though. I it, think. Yeah, he put the kibosh on it, and that was. Uh, I think. I I want to say I know she's no longer with us, but her daughter. There was a book written, and that was told that she was going to be 
the first female late night host after yeah. Carson, but it didn't happen. Obviously, it went to Leno and all that stuff. So, yeah. Um, and then, of course, um, Hulkamania, we probably would never, would never have gotten that. 93,000 people at the Pontiac Silverdome for WrestleMania 3. Um, I mean, you tell me. You think I'll tell you, man, to think that I was in an arena with those four screens, except the arena I was in was one but a tenth or one ninth the size of that place. Yeah. yeah. Worcester Centrum probably ho- hosting or holding 11, 12,000 capacity. Yeah. And we're looking at 93,000, yeah. uh, which again is literally like nine times the venue I went to. I couldn't even fathom being amongst, you know, that's yep. key of humanity, as Gorilla Monsoon would say. Yep. Unbelievable. And um, my thing, yeah, I, now, Phil, you mentioned that you went to Worcester Centrum to watch that. Yeah. Um, I got it on, on pay-per-view. I had a huge WrestleMania party. Pay-per-view was okay. relatively new then. Pay-per-view came out. Closed circuit did stick around. Certain places had it. Uh, like, you can go to the Worcester Centrum. But back in Quincy... We we had cable by then, and I got and I had uh, I think it was WrestleMania two that aired the first cable uh, pay per view. Even though some arenas still did the closed circuit, the transfer was slow and steady going over to pay per view. But I remember I watched it on pay per view, and you watching that arena a few towns away. Yeah, that's how it was back then. Either you could get it on your cable TV or not. Yeah, you still had I, pay, I think he paid like twenty five dollars back then, which was big money. Probably, yeah, because I know they went up to fifty and sixty dollars later on. Yeah, uh, and you and you paid it. You that's the only way you could watch it. There was no internet back then. No, you know. And I actually think I watched WrestleMania two at home on on you know one was at the arena, three was at the arena, two was at home. We actually we had a little silver socket. We would have we would you buy it from the cable company. They'd give you the socket that you plug into the cable box. Oh, so you had to like watch that. the event and then you give it back to them after. We we did the it was a call in thing for us. Okay. You'd call in. Uh, yes. And you talk and you talk you talk to a human being and they would find your account and did something to your box so you can yes. get it. They, they told you to turn to channel whatever and it was a channel that was never on and you'd go to it and there yes. it was. There it was. Popped yep. on. The good old days, Joe and oh Benny, when God. you could call someone, oh, yeah. you could call and actually get a human being yeah, on the phone. A competent Such memories. The phone, yeah. And then the old Gerald cable boxes, you've been able to take a, a beer can cap and slide it underneath to unscramble the bad channels. You know, <laughs> if you wanted to watch the nudie channels and all that, you put it in there. And it worked for pay-per-views after a while. And I know this for a fact that I think it was the Tyson fight yeah, one of the early fights that they tricked everybody, and if they know, if, you know, technology was advancing then. We're talking, I think, early '90s, and um, they would put the thing in there, and it would register on the cable company, so they would know. And they put this fake advertisement: "Oh, you want a T-shirt, a Mike Tyson T-shirt? Give us your name and address. We'll mail you the T-shirt." And what happened was, is they ended up instead of getting a T-shirt, they got a bill for for pirating the pay-per-view. This is how they caught everybody. This is legitimately... An I remember friend. hearing wow. about that. Yeah, yep. They caught you stealing... They, it was called piracy back then. It was a new term. And you were, you know, doing unauthorized things with... Because those cable boxes, if you remember, we rented them. We leased them. It was property of cable TV slash the FCC. Right. You know, anything... A three-letter acronym now with the government is, you know, taboo. 
So you messed with the FCC, they were coming for you. You know what I mean? So it was like it was like taking the tag off of the mattress, man. You yeah. never know what's going to happen. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, um, let me see that. Jay Will says the Pontiac Civil Dome sold for like pennies on the dollar when they tore it down. Yeah, probably because nothing was happening there. Uh, El Dirtbag, a week after the Belzer concussion, Hulk and Mr. T hosted Saturday Night Live. That's correct. That was the night before WrestleMania. You guys was, remember that? I was shocked they did that. I was absolutely shocked they hosted the night. I figured they'd be, because uh, Saturday Night Live was live. It's 1130 at night. That's kind of late for them to be up, don't you think? Because they have a big day tomorrow. They wrestled in the afternoon, don't forget. It wasn't a nighttime thing. It was 1 o'clock the next day. There was less than, so when they got through with the show, it was less than 12 hours. I was kind of shocked. That was a great show, too. It was a great show. Don't get me wrong. I think they uh, wrestled somebody up front in the beginning. Somebody in the crowd took a bump or whatever. And Uh, and, and I mentioned before, uh, the night before another WrestleMania down the road, uh, I went to the uh, one in Connecticut. It was 9 or 10, whatever it was, but it was the LT one. LT was out carousing the night before. I was in the Uh, very same bar as he was. You know, I was I was 20, 15 feet away from LT the night before. He wasn't home resting and, you know, yeah. drinking his protein shakes. He was out and about. Uh, yeah. I had the chance to go to WrestleMania. I think it was 14 at the at the uh, what was called the uh, Fleet Center in Boston. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the big thing was Undertaker's entrance with the with the broods. That was the first time the broods showed up with the flaming things. And uh, two days before. Shawn Michaels Triple H did a publicity thing at City Hall Plaza. Do you remember? I remember. And yep. somebody threw something at Shawn Michaels. They threw a bottle at him, hit wow. him in the hit him in the head. Yeah. He dropped the mic, went back in the limo, and Triple H had to talk to the crowd saying, You just gotta stop acting like that. You're blown if everybody else who wants to see everybody. And the end result was Shawn Michaels and Stone Cold, you know, beating each other up and all that stuff. That was at City Hall Plaza. I think there were like 10,000 people at lunchtime at City Hall Plaza. It looked like a Celtics parade. That's how packed it was because I went there on my lunch because I worked in Boston and I couldn't even get near the place. I was way back and I could just barely see what was going on. It was on the left side of City Hall Plaza and the whole area, you know, you could walk through City Hall Plaza was packed. 10,000 people. And no duck boats. And no duck boats. And don't forget, this internet was relatively new. This wasn't even announced until like a day or two before that they were going to do this. Wow. This was just a PR thing for WrestleMania, and it turned into this huge circus. And that was just amazing to me for that. I don't know how we got off topic on that. No, man, it's awesome. Um, But anyways, obviously, we know Hulk Hogan into the Hall of Fame. Um, You know, obviously well-deserved. I mean, if there's anybody that, you know, a.k.a. be that first ballot Hall of Famer, I mean, this guy would be it because um, without Hulkamania and all that thing, I don't think it'd be a Hall of Fame. What do you think, Benny? No, no. I mean, he he revolutionized wrestling. You got to yep. give him credit for that. Whether yep. you like him or hate him, I mean. Yep. And, um, oh, yeah, Loose Cannon, Monty, catch the great timeless Tony Storm. Her act is worth a watch. Well, Loose Cannon – if you go on Monty and the Pharaoh's page, my What a Day Wrestling Minute, ironically, right. yeah, yeah. yesterday was about timeless Tony Storm. Take a look at it. It's doing good, by the way, 100 and something views. So I must have hit something with that. So check it out, Loose Cannon. Timeless Tony Storm, the What a Day Wrestling Minute, exclusively on uh, Monty and the Pharaoh's channel. That's a good thing. It's literally just a minute, folks. That's all it is. 
I try not to take up too many people's time no, like we're doing not. tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think we're all talked out, right? Hulkamania's here. You know, I mean, is, do you think Hulkamania's still living on right now? Do you think? I think it. I think it's immortal, just like the well, not like the man, but the spirit that's within the man. I mean, yeah. talk about inspirational and getting a generation of kids to work out too. I mean, yeah. he really way. launched. I think he was uh, in terms of his effects on on fitness. I think he was a pioneer in many regards. You know, and and you know he's up there with Arnold and these other people. You know, sure. even Jack Lalanne to some extent. You know. You know all the vignettes, the TNT stuff, just all the all the promos, and just just the whole act, man. You know, Benny, inspired what do you, so many people. Betty, what do you think? I just think that it was you know all the stars aligned. You know, Vin, Vince bought WWF from his father. He got Hulk. You know, he got you know, he, he he got all these other greats. I mean, it just everything came into place. Hulk was the right guy to lead wrestling into into the national spotlight. No question about it. I don't think anybody. I mean, they could have gotten somebody else, but they wouldn't. Nobody would have had the impact that that Hulk had because let's face it. Even when we saw him back in 1980, late 79, early 80, when when Blassie was his manager, yep. we we I think I think you might have said it, Joe. Like we knew there was something special about this guy. We just Absolutely. knew. Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously you know I was what uh, 14, 15 when he won. I was already three or four years into watching wrestling and I, I witnessed a change. So, I, you know, I think I was that genre. I think, Phil, you were that genre too. I was. They, they took you from the land of um, fat guys and all that stuff. You know, I forget what they called them back then, but they were big burly guys to all of a sudden it's these mega, me- I mean, Don Morocco is a perfect example he was turning into a, you know, he admitted on my podcast he was totally out of shape. He was on cocaine and all that stuff. But when Hogan came around and they saw the steroid era come in and all that stuff, Hogan was the original rock, right? Yep. The rock Morocco. So, I mean, he looks like uh, um, just, you know, I, I just, he revolutionized the sport. Him and Vince, Vince had a vision. Hogan was filtered, was the train for that vision. And it took them to heights that, you know, nobody ever expected. I mean, if Vince really saw in the future that he was going to take over NWA and AWA uh, within 20 years, you you would have laughed your brains out. I mean, we all saw the stunt that he pulled, you know, the Black Saturday by taking over TBS one night uh, for a couple of months. You know, without Hogan, that stuff doesn't happen. Um, Yeah. I I don't think. But definitely – where we are today is a result of that. I know the sport is still changing because um, times are changing. Technology is changing. The audience is changing. Um, even back in the day when Hogan wrestled the main event, you still had those boring undercard matches. If you remember, it was like you just went there to see Hogan and that was it. There was no more great undercard where Backlund would be fighting somebody in a stale cage and you got Morocco Morales on the undercard, which basically stole the show. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or a great tag team action. Tony Green and Rick Martel taking on the Samoans. Yeah. Um, you know, or even the upset of Ivan Putsky and Tito Santana over the Valiant Brothers. That that came out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, so, you know, no longer is wrestling like that. Wrestling is action-packed from the moment you start watching it to the last. Even if you go to a wrestling show, it's action-packed. There's no buildup. 
There's no build-up. And, and things like, don't mean much now. Yeah, there used there's, to be so yeah. much meaning attached to everything you see. You know, How can you forge a relationship with the you know combatants if they're yeah. if they never slow down? You know. Yeah. And they Luke, all look alike. Many Luke, of them do. You know. Loose cannon. Then, just watch my um, what a day wrestling minute. Chin up, tits out. <laughs> Thanks, Luke. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. But yeah, I agree what you guys are saying. I mean, it just, you know, where the way the matches, there's no storylines. I get that, but it's more the storylines. Now, the greatest storyline for me that got me back really invested was the bloodline, but it was more acting. You know what I mean? The story wasn't told in the ring. If they were in the ring, they were acting like, I'm talking like verbal acting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Michael Cole hit the nail on the head. If you watch Roman Reigns and Jey Uso, even with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, that whole bloodline story, that was good acting. You could see the realism in that. Zayn and Owens getting personal about how they used to brawl each other and grew up together and wrestled together. That's real. Same with Roman Reigns. He's got that realness because you grew up with the Usos. They're cousins. They grew up together. They played football. So there's that, that, that chemistry when you watched it you didn't think you were watching wrestling for a moment. And then you throw a guy like Paul Heyman in there, who's just a masterpiece on the microphone. Boom. It, you struck gold. It's beautiful. Um, the bloodline was no doubt should have been up for an Academy Award if that was ever recognized. Because they, I mean, I know the storyline's still going, but that feud with Owens and Zayn and, you know, I don't want to be your friend. Maybe I'll be your friend. And the stuff they did was just... Mm -hmm. It was mint. It was it was good stuff. Whoever Personal played. issues are, are, are good box office, man. You know yeah. they've always been, and uh, yeah. you know, and they did a great job at at at, at really breathing life into these personal issues. Right. And and with every good angle, there's there's more than a hint of truth in the in substance, you know, behind it. Really, you know. Right. No, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. I think, um, you know. Right now, wrestling is getting very popular again, and part of it is because of what's happening outside of the ring. You're exactly right. Exactly right. You know, yes. I, you know, I question. I mean, I don't mean to switch gears again, but I question the timing of this lawsuit. We all all heard about it with Vince McMahon two days before the Royal Rumble. Guess what yeah. that does? And you know Vince and how he is. Any press is good press. Yeah. And this is negative as hell press, but. It's still pressed nonetheless because WWE is trending number one, even without wrestling being on. And now you're got Royal Rumble. I'm dying to see the numbers for that now. Uh, people are going to be talking. People are going to be watching. And I know Monty and the Pharaoh. I don't know if you guys are coming on, but we're doing a post Royal Rumble show. Yes, yes. I'm going to be Monty, on that. Yeah. I'm going to be on that show as well, and I'm going to be looking at the right because they have the press conference afterwards, the media, and you know Triple H when he sits down. Somebody in that crowd is going to be asking them that the number one question that's on everybody's mind um, about the lawsuit. Now, in typical WWE fashion, they are going to probably have to surprise the freaking hell out of us tomorrow night to offset this negativity that's going on. Whatever surprises they have in store now, probably going to change and they're going to up it. And whether it's Sasha Banks coming back, whether it's, um, you know, uh, I know Braun Strowman, all those guys. Brock Lesnar still really hasn't been – he's not named in the lawsuit, even though we got to know who he is. I, yeah. say, I say he still appears. Why? Because everybody's expecting it and watching it and wanting it. You know what I mean? So yeah. 
And I and my prediction for the Royal Rumble, I'm going to tell everybody out there, is it's going to be the first ever simultaneous uh, win. It's going to be Cody Rhodes and CM Punk left in the ring last. And they're going to have to face each other. And they're going to be friends and all that. And they're going to they're gonna beat the hell out of each other. But I think they're both going to fall over the top rope and land simultaneously on the floor. And we're going to have the first ever dual winners of the Royal Rumble. And that sets up a storyline. Because don't forget, Seth Rollins is going to be out for a month or two. Whatever. He's not coming back pretty much till towards WrestleMania. So you got X amount of weeks to work this feud or figure it out or a triple threat at Mania or, you know, whatever the pay-per-view next is. That type of thing. What do you guys think of that real quick? I can tell you what, though. You, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry, Phil. Oh, no, go right ahead. Go ahead, Benny. Uh, what I really liked on Raw, though, was the interaction between Gunther and Seth. Oh, yeah. I really liked that. You talk about the, that well, felt legit. That felt real to me. Yep, that's on the table. But just I don't think it's on the table right now, I think, because no, no, no. Seth Rollins is hurt. But that's definitely a possibility. I can see that. There's no, there's no question of mine. That might have been the interim thing before WrestleMania for Seth Rollins. Because don't forget, when you win the Rumble, it's, you know, they point at the sign, and then it's like, who are you going to face? Who are you going to fight? You know what I mean? I um, Another thing, Phil, go ahead. I, I, I know you're going to say something. Yeah, well, you know, of course, now that The Rock has been given uh, a chairmanship, uh, or at least uh, now he's a member of the board, yeah. he can actually legitimately make decisions. And, of course, there have been rumblings, no pun yeah. intended, about The Rock looking at Roman Reigns' reign yeah. and lack of title defenses in the traditional 30-day window yeah. and perhaps take some steps to strip him of the title, maybe put it up for grabs. So I don't know. I see The Rock maybe uh, wielding some type of influence here and and shaking things up in the title picture yeah, I, unexpectedly. I, real quickly, I think The Rock will show up tomorrow night. I think with all the publicity surrounding this lawsuit and everything, he has to make an appearance in some fashion. To offset, you know, I know, I know it, it's making the news. It's on NBC News. It's on the news. It's all over the place. It's bad timing, so to speak. Slim Jim just pulled out as an advertiser. Um, I'm sure one or two may follow after that. I'm not sure. Um, we Don't forget, we are on a weekend here. So business is not as usual in the corporate world. So it's not like they can hold a board meeting and fire Vince and say that's that. Um, what I, I have a feeling that the WWE is going to, whatever stops they were pulling out for us yesterday is going to be upped now because of what happened with the lawsuit i you know they had that that, that faction damage control i think like you said joe this yeah. is gonna be real life damage control yeah <laughs> real life yeah you're absolutely right yeah I, I think i think you're gonna see a star-studded wrestlemania i think i'm not sure um i'm trying to think i i think I'll, andrade will return that's that's a yeah. Positive. I can I can see that happening. Yeah, I can see that. There's a lot of guys. Braun Strowman's ready to return. He can come back. Um, there's a whole list of people that could do it. My only gut, I think, I think the girls are going to steal the show tomorrow night, and I think Tiffany Stratton is going to be somebody to look for. Uh, they're grooming her to be the next Charlotte. Charlotte's out for X amount of time now. Mm -hmm. You know, we're talking mm -hmm. what nine months, eight months. Yeah, she's, long term. She just had her surgery. I know she's rehabbing now, but. Tiffany Stratton is someone to look for. Liv Morgan, Beth Phoenix, Nikita Lyons, Sonya Deville. All these names are coming out because they're ready to come back. So they've only announced X amount of people for the Rumble. So you have all these slots to fill. Now the WWE is going to have to get really creative and surprise us. And, you know, what Triple H always says, suspend everybody's life for a while and focus on something positive. And hopefully tomorrow night they can get that done. So. 
All right. Well, we the, the fans are the beneficiaries. That's that's a good thing, right? Phil, any Royal Rumble predictions? To quote Mr. T once again, pain. pain. <laughs> Who's going to give the pain, though? That's what it is. Who's going to do that? That's a good question. A lot of people think Bailey looks good in the in the women's front, think, you know? I think that, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised there at all. Yeah. But, but then again, we're talking surprises, too. And um, we certainly talk about Sasha Banks. But again, um, Alexa Camille, Camille yeah. is a favorite of yeah. mine. Would now not be surprised. Yep. But the, the, it's really hush-hush on her now. I, I wouldn't be surprised if she doesn't make an impact. She's not signing with AEW? I don't know. I know she was in talks, but you know, I'm telling you right now, the WWE is feeding these dirt sheets, this stuff, and it reminds me of CM Punk at Survivor Series where they were fed CM Punk's not going to be there, reliable sources. Now we get the Sasha Banks thing. Oh, she's in Boston. She's really not from Boston, folks. Yeah. Um, she's not going to be there. The more they say this, I've seen Sasha Banks' name pop up more on the internet the last three days. And this is similar to CM Punk yeah. during Survivor Series. I think she. I think right now, damage control, I hate to say it, she's coming back. She's going to be there. That's going to be the shocker for the women's side. Whether she's number 30, whether she's number one, five, whatever, it's still going to be the big deal. Because what good, I, you know, I just thought of it now. Her and Bailey could be the last two people in the ring for yeah. the Royal Rumble. You know what I mean? That's a who's who right there. You got a CM Punk Cody Rhodes situation right there. Two real good friends. You know, whatever. It is what it is. It's going to be entertaining uh, nonetheless. I'm so. rooting for Roman Reigns, though. I will say that. I always have. So, all right. I, mean, I feel pretty good about him. Yeah, I think he's going to, I think he'll take it off. Another theory I had, I hate talking like this, but another theory I had was Solo Sokoa's the, the wild card here. I think he cost LA Knight the win against Roman Reigns. And then I think Nick Aldis is going to put him in the rumble and that's going to make a difference. Something's going to happen. He's going to do dual duty, but that all depends on what match. I think the men's Royal Rumble match should be the main event. You know, the, 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 you know, the Roman Reigns title match should be like right before that, because it's really about pointing to the sign and ending the show. Yeah. So the men's, the men's match will be last. Um, so you have, so that gives leeway to LA Knight to, you know, cause AJ Styles and Randy, they've already been there. I think it's LA Knight. That's just another surprise enter because he got screwed out of the match of solo Sakura again. He goes to Nick Aldis and say, put me in, put me in. And he, and he gets put in. That's my imaginative imagination run a wild with that. So you never know. <laughs> just as probable as any of the other scenarios, Joe, just Absolutely. as probable. Yep. Benny, any predictions on your end? I'm saying punk. I just, yeah. I just have this feeling Punk's going to win it. Yeah, I, I, you know, he will with, with Cody Rhodes a simultaneous finish. <laughs> it's, it, you, you got to admit, it's, it's genius when you think about it. I mean, it's never happened. You know, we can go back to the Hogan Orndorff cage match at Saturday Night's main event when they both landed at the same time. But you know, part of me thinks that was trickery television because you had two different angles. You know, they, they might have both landed at the same time. But you know, what do you think, Phil? Yeah, I, th I think that's true. But now, did Luger and Hart do the same thing before out of the out of the uh, the ring? Probably, probably. They might have done the 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 uh, same time touch, but uh, yeah. I can see that happening again. You know, it's, I, 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 a bigger I, stage. Yeah. So yeah, is Kofi yeah, Kingston in the yeah. Rumble? Yes, I think he's an entrant. Yep. Well, I'd love there. to see Kofi doing. Oh, he'll do his thing. He'll do his thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. A highlight. Jump around. I love seeing that. Very innovative, very original. Yeah. 
supremely athletic and, and very know, cool. So I hope we see. I, I know Big E is not medically cleared yet, or you know he got good news on the wrestling front and all that stuff. I could see him making an appearance in a sorts where he runs out and lets Kofi on his shoulders and puts him back in the ring or something like that. That'd be cool. Uh, yeah, so you, get, you get a double. Yeah, sure. you, get, you get a double pop. Big E comes back for an appearance, and you got Kofi Kingston running. I, I'd like that. I pay to see that, man. Yeah, I got to call the WWE. I think I should book this event tomorrow night. <laughs> All right, guys, we're way over time. I want to thank you guys for coming on Wrestling Remembered. I know we got sidetracked at the end, but hey, that's what it's all about. Wrestling does yeah. that to a person, right? Absolutely. Yep. So, player Phil DeCesare, thank you so much for being on Wrestling Remembered. Don't forget, folks, hit that little subscribe button on the bottom there. Monty and the Pharaoh, what are we at? We're over 15,000 subscribers, and we're growing daily. Um, we have tons Leaps of shows. We have True Crime coming up again. Another Whitey Bulger reboot, right? We got that. Yeah. Coming up. Oh, looking forward be- to that. It's going to be a great yeah. show. I'll produce that. We'll get some pictures and graphics up there for that. So that'd be good. And then, of course, we got the 30 on Thursday night. And, of course, Wrestling Remembered on Friday. And don't forget, folks, I know you're out there. We will be doing a post-Royal Rumble show on Monty and the Pharaoh. I think it looks like it's going to be a jam-packed screen. I think we're all jumping in on this one. So we're going to have about, what, five, six, probably eight people on the panel for that. And I'll be watching the press conference off time, all right, to see if anything in, uh, interesting comes out of that. But there's going to be a lot to talk about. Royal Rumble is uh, a huge event tomorrow night, 8 o'clock on Peacock, 7 o'clock Central, all that stuff. So once again, thanks, guys, for being on. We're going to close out the show. Um, again, if subscribe, like, all that good stuff. Thanks for the comments. Loose Cannon, Beth Hopper, Maria Davis, Joe yeah, Myers. Thank you, guys. Everybody. Jay thank Will. Jay Will. Is it Jay oh, yeah. Will? J-A Jay Will? J-A Will. We gotta, he's got to put some dots in between that. J-A <laughs> Will. We're going to do that. But anyways, guys, you guys are great. We'll see you tomorrow night on the post-Rumble show. Love you guys. And uh, if you're watching on Much the replay, love. thanks for watching. We'll see you guys later. Peace out. What a day. <laughs> what a day.